podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Back to Screamer Selica. Kevin Graham, it has become such a part of my life that even when I'm talking to Alan McGee about the album behind you, I accidentally slipped into Axel mode and called it Screamer Selica live on stage in front of two or three hundred Oasis fans. Um, mm. This is also our opportunity, Kevin, not only to do the old school thing by running the show. Um, but to have a wee chat about that night with McGee, because uh, this is the best show to talk about it on. So obviously we're going to be speaking about the fourth studio LP by Oasis. We, we both know, and everybody listening will know that it was uh, an actual fact, the fifth album, because they released a, a B-Sides compilation uh, called The Master Plan that uh, obviously was better than this effort, but we'll come to that later on. Um, and at this point, they were no longer with creation. So let's wrap up the creation thing because obviously we were with Mr. Alan McGee on Friday night last week. These things are still quite surreal to me, Kevin. Do you feel the same? Mm. You know, backstage talking to Alan McGee, getting your photo taken with him, having a wee bit of a chin wag with the guy. That's quite surreal. You're talking about a guy who was a major, major part of my musical learning. Um, I mean, Creation is a legendary label um, and the amount of bands, the amount of Creation records I've had over the years uh, is absolutely frightening. The fact he was just a, a wee guy for Glasgow who is very self-deprecating, isn't he? I didn't really care what I was doing half the time. Um, so yeah. just, and But you do get that impression where a lot of these guys like Tony Wilson and Alan McGee and that, eh, they just seem to have a go. And it's a people talk about punk rock being an attitude, they being being music. It's not music; it's an attitude. I it's a state, it's a state of mind, isn't it? It's, it's definitely. We can just do it ourselves. And you, you're talking about Alan. I mean, he's been pals with Bobby Gillespie since 1977, and that's for 1977. I mean, and that's all I say to him. I just say thank you for the primal screen. That's all I say to him when when I was having a wee when I had that wee 30 seconds with me, I didn't thank him for Oasis, I thanked him for the primal screen. Because, like, mm-hmm. he believed in the primal screen. He took Bobby Gillespie to that field in Brighton to, to meet Andy <laughs> Wetherill. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean when, when you even read Bobby Gillespie's book, Tenement Kid, he was ready to chuck it. Mm-hmm. And But it's amazing. A guy that produced the Mary Chain then the, the Scream... And he was just such a dunty-earth guy. And what, what I really enjoyed about the night, well, obviously, Alan, Alan and his stories and that were great, was the amount of folk that came up to myself, Paul, and welcome back to Screamer Selica. Yeah. He says that they've been missing it. Especially Daniel. I didn't get your second name, Daniel. So he asked me to say hi to you. So thank you, Daniel. He cornered me at the bar. And he says, hey, 
can you see height? And I love Screamer Celica. And everybody was, uh, everybody was really, really pleased that we were back. And it was me and you. Exactly, which was the original lineup, and mm-hmm. it was our concept schema Celica, and we've we've been meaning to get back on it, Kev. But obviously, you know, life and all that kind of stuff, all the good stuff actually gets in the way, and uh, we always intended on coming back and covering um, a whole host of albums. It's not just going to be Oasis, but we've kick started it off because we were doing our gig with Alan McGee. We decided let's uh, we'd already done the definitely maybe album. Let's do the rest of this discography, and then we'll see where it takes us. And what actually happens is people then say, oh, by the way, can you cover this album? We've already had that this week. Someone has asked us to cover Going for Gold, which is the compilation, the greatest hits album of Shed 7. And by the way, they did have, because, I mean, Shed 7 became one of the albums. It was easy to just slag off. The music press seemed to slag them off. But by the way, you, you listen to their singles, Kev, and they stand up all these years later. I, I was fortunate enough to see them at Belladrum last year when I was I had a set at Belladrum on the Saturday and I clashed with Shed 7. So they were starting at half seven. Just on the like, set list or just like fisticuffs? Because I didn't, I didn't fancy Rick Witter as a bit of a boxer, you know. He seems no, like quite a relaxed, laid-back guy. I thought when I went to Belgium, I was getting backstage and I could maybe have a wee blur with them, but no, no, us numpties had a different area. We had, really? we had a completely not a different area for like Niall Rogers and all of that. They had helicopter pads and all of that. And, like, but you was, were on a bill with Niall Rogers, bottom line. Mm-hmm, I was on a bill. Anyway, I, I rushed through my set and finished so we could go and watch Shed 7. I knocked 15 minutes off my set so we could go and watch Shed 7. And it's actually amazing for a band that I own no records of, mm-hmm. how many songs I actually knew. Yeah, yeah. And they were, they and went, they were good live. They were, re- they were a really good live. They were. They went on a really, you know, prolific run of singles, didn't they? But, I mean, um, I think Changegiver, and then what was the name of the big album after that? Uh, what was it now? The one with quite a few that it's getting better and all that kind of stuff. It'll come to me. I don't want to check it. If someone in the comment section wants to tell me, um, and that was around about the T- TFI Friday time and all that. One thing Disco that interested down. me: Disco, Disco Down, down came, was on uh, Going for Gold. Parallel mm-hmm. Lines was it? Parallel Lines. That's Is that the name album, of the? Was it not? Um, listen, I, I can't help you, mate. I can't help you. As I say, I so no Shade Seven records, but Seven, but I know a lot of their songs. Yes, that's just the way it is. Eh? They they were one of the bands around about this kind of oasis time, nineteen nineties, where the hits kept coming. But there had to be a come down. There had to be a come down from Britpop, from even Creation Records. Kevin, you said you wanted to pull me up about something on Friday night. What is it that you want to pull me up about? What did Alan McGee say his favourite song on Be Here Now was? Did he say it on the stage? Yes. Did he? Ah, now let me have a think because what he said about that, I, do you know what I mean? Didn't he say it was? Do you know what I mean? Nah, I'm sure. I'm sure he, he says magic. Oh, wait pie a minute. He, say, he said magic pie. He did. He did. He said it was did magic you, pie. Did you know he did you not know hear me shout for the audience? When I just thought it? it was a heckler. I thought it was a heckler. well, it was a heckler. It just so happened to be you. Yeah, he did. He did say that. 
Magic he was a fan pie. of Magic Pie, and I'm sitting the thinking, man, the oh. The man who brought a ride, the super furry animals, the Mary Jane, the primal scream, agrees with me. Magic Pie is a fantastic song. So there you go. I dropped it. I dropped it last week. And it's going to be interesting with this, this LP, right? So... Um, because there's a few songs I could have dropped in it, but I, you know, I think it's all down to structure. I think it's that there's two trio trios of songs on this album that work, and everything else doesn't really work. And I remember having the um, opinion on this album that you know what, it would have made for an outstanding EP, or maybe even a couple of EPs, right? Maybe even a couple of EPs, you know, like the old beat a band thing. And by the way the beta band's influences on this album, but maybe a couple of EPs and you would have got two um, CDs with, with four songs and four tracks times two. Then you, know. you add in the B-sides. Exactly. And you would have had two cracking EPs. Well, there you go. But what we've got is we've got a flawed album. Um, now, obviously, as you know, we went down to uh, Salford and we filmed... Uh, a live event with Brian Cannon over Microdot. Microdot did all the 1990s cover art for Oasis, The Verve, Verve, and various other bands. You know, they worked with Super Furry Animals, Suede, who I know weren't a creation band. Um, the Beta Band, they'd done the three EPs and uh, various others. Brian Cannon had done it. And so I really am interested in the album art and the vibe that that gives and how it's the whole package, Kev, the music, the live the attitude, the artwork, the whole thing. Um, but you go into the 2000s, not only are they no longer on Creation Records, Oasis, uh, they've changed their logo. Big bad mistake if you ask me. Uh, this is the first LP not on Creation. There's a new logo. They're no longer working with Microdot uh, for their artwork, which I think, again, was a bad move. This is the first album, Kev, without uh, Gwigsy and Bonehead. The spirit of Oasis was never going to be the same again. Maybe the musicianship improved, Kevin, but I don't think the spirit was there. Um, this is also the first LP that uh, Owen Morris didn't produce. So you can see all the different changes. Uh, things were changing. First album, not exclusively written by Noel Gallagher. So it was a completely different Oasis. And I'm going to ask you the question before we kick off here. And it was the first LP without Noel being on cocaine as well. Was it Oasis for you? Was this the real, true spirit of Oasis, this album? As the song on the album says, where did it all go wrong? And it goes wrong with the logo change. It goes wrong with shitty covers. It goes wrong with poor artwork. It's an album which is basically recorded by Noel, Alan White and Liam. Yep. There's, hardly, there's hardly any other guys on it. Um, I think Game and Andy Bell didn't come in until after it was recorded and they were basically looking for a band to go on tour. It's an album that should never have been made, really. It should have just sat on the good stuff with us and took it to Bell and Archer once he had actually got the band together and it would have been a far, far better. Now, this is like This is like one of the wee gimps that you actually see who thinks of Liam Gallagher. <laughs> I think it's Oasis, but it's no Oasis. Eh? Right, I get like, that. It, like it, it smells like Oasis, but it's no. And I've, and I think no kind of knew that as we'll be changing the logo on that. For me, this is the start of like the, the circus years, the, the parody years, where it's just basically they could have just called it the Gallagher Brothers and a couple of sessions musicians. That's is this is only carrying on the Oasis name. 
just for weight, kudos, and... Well, they're a massive brand at that stage, they're, Kev. They're a massive brand at that this stage. Is I, the, I, you're right. I remember, I remember this album, <laughs> and I, I remember John Summit. I, didn't even, I, I don't know why I remember his interviewing the NME, bumming up this album, going, it's great, they've got samples. They've got, mm. And I'm going, mate, it is, it's like... The thought, right, what can we do that's very, very Beatles? This is the first one that tries to obviously ape the Beatles. They're going, we'll go a wee bit psychedelic. We'll go on a wee Casio keyboard and press the psychedelic function dance beat and see what we can come up with. And, oh, I, 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 I actually had to fall out with you this week because you made me listen to it again. Well, I'm sorry for that, but uh, I did revisit the also I revisited the B sides, and I felt that that was interesting because it showed me that up to this point, and obviously this probably uh, culminated in the release of the master plan. I was obsessed with Oasis B sides. You know what I mean? You could have probably um, have identified any Oasis uh, B side with the first two seconds of the track, and then I'm listening to these ones, Kevin, and they weren't as familiar to me as all the earlier B-sides that I know like the back of my hand. I'm going to tell you the truth. The five B-sides which were on these three singles, I had never heard them. Really? That, that shows you maybe how disengaged I had became. And it was an utter pleasure listening to these five B-sides. They're Do you prefer... Nuts, well, I, I get it. Exactly. And this <laughs> is the thing. Wow. The, one of the questions we ask at the end of these Schema Celica shows is if you could drop uh, two songs and replace them with two of the B-sides from the era, from the time, Kevin, which would it be? Um, and when it comes into that, I was struggling because I think there was there was three that would have been better than three tracks on the LP. This was released, Kev, um, on the 28th of February 2000. And we're not going to release the Celtic chat to the end of the show. It was released in the same month that Inverness Cali Thistle beat Celtic in the Scottish Cup. Right, so it's a bad month at the races for guys like you and me who are Oasis fans, who are Celtic fans. You're getting standing on the shoulders of Giants and you're also getting Denverness, Cali Thistle. Wh which was worse for you, Cali Thistle or this album? Um, Cali Thistle. There's got to be at the time because I, I, I tolerated this album at the time and tried to convince myself it had grown me. And the reason be they took you a curveball, eh? They let go let it out, which is one of the best songs in the Oasis canon right away. And you go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, this could be cracking, this could be cracking. And then nothing <laughs> really after comes with it, eh? And I remember listening to it and going, ah, maybe it'll grow on me, maybe it'll grow on me. Went to see them at Murrayfield with Doves and uh, Happy Mondays yeah. as well. Yep. And I can't believe I went to Murrayfield on the strength of this album. But obviously you were gone because it was them. Yeah. It was wasn't on the strength for this album, but you can't that they were going to play some the plasticine for this album, <laughs> and they did. Well, the thing by that stage it had been so hard to get tickets as well at various junctures to see Oasis that whenever they came to town or wherever they came, whenever they came to Scotland, you'd go and see them, Kev. It, it became one of the things you just go every tour you'd go to see them. Uh, and there's been a few bands I've followed with that uh, attitude. Shed 7, I can't believe I forgot that the name of their second album was A Maximum High. I listened to that ah. album to death. Aye. But there is a song on it called Parallel Lines, but you're right, that's the Blondie album, of course it is. Um, and their debut album was Change Giver, which again, 
one of the albums that, uh, you know, we might actually cover, but we're going to stick to Oasis at the moment. I think we're also going to go through the, the BDI because Kev's got some very interesting stuff to say about the BDI albums. Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds, Liam Gallagher. We've been asked to do Shed 7. Get your uh, suggestions in the comments because if you ask for it, we'll do it, Kev. We'll get round to it. We'll do it. Um, <laughs> Red Scotland, Shed 7 were cool. They were. They were actually cool, but the music press made out like they were very uncool. Um, and they used Rick Witter's name as rhyming slang for the, the toilet. Now, um, at this point, Bonehead, who I have met and uh, interviewed, and the interview is on the channel, so get onto YouTube and subscribe to that channel. Um, and Bonehead left of his own volition. He wasn't sacked or any of this kind of stuff, Kev. And, uh, of course, Quigsy left. And I remember the quote at the time. And at the time, yeah, as a, an Oasis fan, you wanted it to work. Like you say, you were prepared to give the album time. No Gallagher's coming out. You're thinking the band's falling to pieces here. Two founder members are away. And the famous quote was uh, talking about Bonehead leaving. It's hardly Paul McCartney leaving the Beatles. Now, knowing what we know now, it seems a bit mean-spirited for him to say that about Bonehead. Bonehead founded the band with Gwigsy. Bonehead was in the band before Liam, never mind no. Uh, Musician-wise, he's maybe got a point, but I think Bonehead's a far better musician than he was maybe given a lot of credit for. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, power, the powerfulness of the bar chords that he uses on the first three albums is part of the Aces sound. Um, I can't, uh, nah, that's just no doing a bit of Marquis Smith there, eh? Mm. That, that's just, I didn't worry about it, I'm the main man. I, I mean, what was Marky Smith's famous quote? If you, if it's your granny and me on bongos, it's still the fault. <laughs> that, that, that was Marky Smith's fam a famous quote. And he says it a couple of times, obviously the fall went through about 57 musicians yep. <laughs> in, in, in a 30-year period. Eh? And a couple of times he says, I the band just got too old, so I sacked them. And it's that kind of Manchester flipping, flipping this, eh? No, it's not exactly Paul McCartney leaving the Beatles. I write all the songs anyway. So yeah. none of that's going to change. So I'm the talent. I'm the good guy. I've still got my brother who can who can uh, uh, who can sing these songs for me. Because can... I wouldn't be because I wouldn't be anywhere if it my brother. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think there was uh, certainly in this album there there were signs that um, he wasn't as, um, you know, much of a golden boy as we had. We had put him on a pedestal at this stage. We never, ever thought it was going to end. And Alan McGee said it, didn't he, on Friday night? They never oh. thought the songs were going to stop coming. Um, and had it been um, business over art, they would have held on to Acquiesce, they would have held on to the Master Plan, uh, Rocking Chair Talk Tonight, they would have held on to all these amazing songs and they would have made up a third album in the 90s, not a compilation album, but the band's third album. Um, where did he get the um, the miss, the misinterpreted um, title for this album? Well, it came from the, the uh, I was going to say the side, it came from around the £2 coin, and it was a quote from Sir Isaac Newton, but the quote is standing, of course, on the shoulders of Giants, mm -hmm. but no Gallagher uh, wrote it down incorrectly, and they ran with it anyway, and that is the uh, album title, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. We're revisiting it tonight, Kevin. Uh, do you think it's going to get the 20th anniversary, 25th anniversary, 30th anniversary treatment that the classic 1990s Oasis albums got? Obviously not, because we've already gone 23 albums, and there wasn't a murmur 
at the time that uh, we were looking at the 20th anniversary of this album. It's it's, it's almost been disowned by Noel Gallagher, isn't it? It has been, eh? Uh, quite rightly so. There's so much wrong with this album. It's like some of it is so, so tedious and so, so bland and so unimaginative. For a guy who for the previous eight years, seven or eight years, couldn't do nothing wrong to come out with this utterly dead, cold turkey an album. It's like, okay, it's I, actually quite frightening. It's I, like, I'm looking forward to hearing if uh, there was anything on this album that uh, passed the Kevin Graham test, because obviously, famously now, you ripped What's the Stone in Mor- uh, Morning Glory um, and you behind we weren't meant to be here now. There were certain moments of that that you weren't fond of. But I think over the piece, I'm going to ask you this at the end of the show anyway. I don't know. You might rate Be Here Now over What's the Story, Morning Glory. I don't know. I'm going to ask you to rank the first four in order. But let's get into the tunes. Let's get into the tunes. And um, if you're interested in Oasis, Screamer Celica and Celtic, get involved in the comment section. Agree disagree, give us some suggestions for new albums and we'll cover them when Kevin and I can come together as we have done tonight. Now I'm going to see it fucking in the bushes great start to this album Kev right and it's also a brilliant intro to the live shows around about that time. As we know it completely rips off Led Zeppelin right and I mm-hmm. think it's unashamedly doing that because no wasn't shy of ripping off uh, fellow musicians uh, we put this festival on you bastards with a lot of love a whole lot of love, Led Zeppelin. Um, and that was obviously a quote from the uh, documentary on Nile White, 1970. Um, if you're a Leonard Cohen fan, there's a great box set which gives you uh, an Nile White DVD as well. Um, and some of the quotes and all that are also in the Leonard Cohen uh, LP. I think it's a great uh, introduction to the album, Kev. And it's kind of promising that things are going to be done a wee bit differently because, as your man said, John Simder... There are samples in this. You know what the original samples were? Have you, did you listen to the demos, no? Uh, no. No. So the original samples, thank God they changed them, were from the Austin Powers movie. So they've changed them, and they're much, much better now. Um, so as an intro, as a track one on the album, it does a job. I think it's good. It, it passes the test. It's a good start. It, it passes the test, but it just feels a bit throwaway. Um I mean, you look at, do you know what I mean? And rock and roll star, then you've got, as I said, we've already decided that we hate hello. No, we've already decided that. That was another, that was another layman, an opening song. And this one, it just seems like a sort of, I don't know, as you say, they're trying to show a new direction by sticking you back to a 1970 rock festival. Mm. Going, I, we're going in a different direction. Oh, here's some samples. Yeah. Uh, here's some sa- samples for a 1970 rock festival, and, and we'll do like a bit of Led Zeppelin in it as well. And we'll have a bit of rock and guitar, and a bit of sample, and then a bit of a drum machine and stuff like that as well. Eh? As you say, it's a great intro tape. Mm. <laughs> it is a great intro tape. I've never really thought of it as a song. What did the, the Rosies? often came on to Don't Stop, didn't they? They, also, they, would, have, they would have a DJ, like Dave Haslam, um, obviously, who we've worked with, uh, would DJ for them, someone like, someone like that. But they would actually, wait a minute, there's a track, Spike Island, and it's, DJ it's do it now, do it now, do it now. But I'm pretty sure Don't Stop 
was definitely uh, used. And um, yeah, you're right. It's one of the ones where, you know what, right, Kev? Here you go. Had it not been on this album, we'd all be we'd be sitting here now, twenty three years later, having heard it live as an intro tape, right? Because it was obviously, and we'd be going, "Why on earth was it not on the album?" We would. We would, but then it doesn't really go anywhere, does it? No, but I think it does merge pretty seamlessly to go let it out. I think it's a good, honestly, the first three tracks on this album, for me, work really well. I'm actually sitting as an Oasis fan 23 years ago and thinking to myself, right, this is going to be a better album than Be Here Now. We're back. Oasis are back. And then it goes a wee bit <laughs> ski-whiff. Uh, so I don't know, is it mixed then? Because I'm, I'm happy with fucking in the bushes. <laughs> I don't mean that literally. But I'm happy with the tune. What about yourself? You're, you're not so sure, are you? I'm not too sure. I didn't count it as a song, really. I've never actually thought of it as a song. It's like it's like the start of the, the setting coming with the Stone Roses. It's just a, a fuller before going that's worth, out. That's worth waiting for, though, eh? That four and a half minutes of like jungle aye, the, the, music the, the, and all that. The bass kicks in, which aye. is utterly fantastic. And with this one, I just think this is like a sort of... We I never thought before, about it like that. I never thought about it like that. Before you get to mm. the absolute majestic brilliance which is go let it out. And so it when you're listening to the album, do you aye. skip this then? Do you skip that? I always do. I always do you? Go to, right. I listen well, to you... it. And also as well, because it's still very familiar because I've seen it so many times, because I've heard it so many times mm-hmm. in different settings. Liam live, Oasis live a couple of times as well. Eh? So I know it, eh? and, I, and again, it's like sort of, We've got the first Man. disagreement of the night. We've got the first disagreement of the night because I'm all over it. I think it's a perfect intro. Um, right, but I'm going to ask before we go into track two, right? You mentioned the Roses, right? So let's look at the eponymous debut album, right? That that absolute nugget. It's blissfully good, the Stone Roses 1989 album, right? So if you're looking at that, what do you think of Don't Stop and Elizabeth, my dear? Do you think they're pivotal to the LP? Or do you think, oh, you know what? The Roses could have put Where Angels Play or Standing Here or Going Down. What, what's your take? Is it all about putting in the best songs? Or sometimes is it good to have these wee interludes that just give a structure to the LP? There's never once have I listened to the Stone Roses debut album when, when Angels Play should be on this. No. No, there's never once that I've, I've listened to that album. But you, you accept it's a done... beautiful tune, though. Where Angels Play? Yeah. Oh, I mean, some bands have had sell millions and millions and millions of records and never written as anything as good as Where Angels Play. Or this is sacrilege. Paradise. This is sacrilege. Uh, but once we get to the Roses album, we'll be asking, it's... what two tracks do you drop for two B-sides? And this, this is where I'm going with it. Nothing. <sighs> Uh, I'll, I'll leave that for that. Uh, that is controversial. It's controversial. controversial. Elizabeth, my dear, as, as well. We can talk about the roses all night, but Elizabeth, my dear, as well. It suits that point in the album. I know it's, it's good like for the structure. Yes, yeah. like it does suit that point uh, in, in the album, eh? And like the wee gunshot at the end is quite, or the cough, as he <laughs> says it was. <laughs> aye, aye. Um, no pivotal uh, to their political uh, beliefs at the time and to this day. Go Let It Out comes on and it's beta band Kev, it's the beta band intro and you know you, the, the, you've got the, the video, like you say, Game never played on the on the LP but he's in that video Andy Bell's not in that video 
Um, and you're looking at Liam, you're thinking, ah, he's, he's looking apart is Liam. You know that Noel has been given all the interviews around there about that time, about getting clean and coming off of the cocaine and all this kind of stuff. And like you say, if you were to look at every single that Oasis released, this is up there. It's brilliant. It's it's a superb song. It's a it's a tremendous second track on this album. Um, it rips off a great band and they beat a band. I don't know if uh, Noel was a fan. I can't remember Noel. He, was, I admit, he, he did admit that he was a fan of the beat band. Right. Well, that makes sense. And of course, it gets to number one, which had become the norm for Oasis singles. But this and all albums after this, it was only normal for the comeback single to get to number one, Kev, because things were completely changing in the musical landscape. Um, but Oasis by this stage had a, like a creation supergroup. They had uh, brought in Game from Heavy Stereo, which were financially one of the uh, worst bands that ever pr- that were ever on creation. They lost creation a lot of money. And Andy Bell, who, as you know, uh, came in from Ride. So talk me through the song. Why do you love it so much? Was he no and Hurricane Number One as well, who were a creation band? Yeah, Andy was in Gay Dad. Was it? Andy Bell was also in Gay Yes, there you go. But yeah, Hurricane Number One. Stephanie they were doing so well. They were doing so well. And then they sold uh, their soul to the sun. Remember? Uh, Only the strongest will survive. They gave the sun right, that aye, aye and then aye. never the same after that. Um, so, aye, talk us through this. This is one of your favourites. It is one of one of the favourites, and it's mainly today with the psychedelic beta band influence. Mm-hmm. I was we're heavily into the beta band in the state of mind studios, and uh, they're the only band I really want to reform now. Remember yeah, Suede on the remember Suede on the, the beta band at uh, the Tollbooth. I still yes. listened to that. Brilliant, uh, loved it. Uh, I, I loved the beta band, and this was just psychedelic beta band. Mm. We know given it his classic pop sensibilities to get it to number one. Something that maybe even though I think Steve Mason is a is a is a genius, uh, the guy the, the the writer of the songs of the beat a band and that and I've saw the beat a band numerous times as well, eh? But this was basically a generational songwriter taking a formula that I loved and taking it to the top of the charts. Mm-hmm. And everything looked so brilliant when you heard this. You're like, wow, that is a step in another direction. That doesn't sound like anything that they've ever done, like, before or even since. I don't think they've ever... I don't think they've ever touched that sort of accidental psychedelia since. Mm. There are a couple of times where they've tried to go psychedelic and completely balls it up. But this one was an, a perfect, perfect garage pop 60s psychedelic record. Garage, I like that. Aye, definitely, because of course the whole creation vibe, um, they, they were named after a garage, 60s garage band called mm-hmm. The Creation. Um, and Alan McGee was also in a band called Biff Bang Pow, which was a song title of The Creation. Uh, and I'm looking at the B-sides earlier on today um, through the... The album, like you say, there, there's some real quality in the B-side. So, again, it's a reminder that Noel still had it. Um, I don't think they were quite up to, the, up to the same kind of standard as before, but how on earth could they be? Um, and when you look at the, the B-sides here, it's let's all make believe, and as long as they've got cigarettes in hell, and let's all make believe ended up as a, a bonus track on the, the Japanese edition of this LP, and it probably should have made it onto the LP as well. Decent song. 
it should have made it onto the LP and should have, should, uh, as should have uh, Cigarettes in Hell, <laughs> made it onto the LP. Cigarettes in Hell and Let's All Make Believe <sighs> drop bars of gold on a great height on a lot of the stuff that ended up on this album. Mm-hmm. And it was almost, I think it's all, when I, when I heard these B-sides for the first time today, and I'm going like that, this could have been a perfect No Gallagher solo album. And maybe that's what he didn't want. Mm. And some of the stuff's been, what did they call it, lost gems. Uh, like, lost genius B-sides. And I think it's maybe a day with, maybe because he wasn't on, he, he wasn't on the, the old Colombian marching powder. He was like, going, I need to actually let go of being the, the chief. And but he should have actually pulled rank here and went just made this a solo album. I think one of the biggest errors that he made, and by the way, you know, not on this album certainly, because Little James is one of the worst things ever committed to records, not just by Oasis, but in the history of music. But I think that was the biggest mistake he made was allowing others to write for Oasis. He should have just stuck to what he was doing. There was enough. There was enough material here, Kev, because all the B-sides were written by Noel Gallagher. There was enough material for a decent, either a decent album or two decent EPs. Um, But when you start looking through the discography from this point onwards, it was never as strong. Every single album had patches in the albums that you thought, you know what I mean? You could have had a a Noel Gallagher song in there and it would have been better. Apparently, and we'll get to this on the final album, uh, there was a few few tracks that were meant to be sang by Liam and he never turned up for the session. I don't know if you know that knew that Aye. story. And, and when you listen back to him, you're thinking, wow, the, the album would have been elevated. Uh, but yeah, I think so far, so good. First two tracks, you're thinking to yourself, yes, this is a decent Oasis album. And this is a song, number track number three, that I think divides opinion a wee bit. I am on the, I'm on the side of it being an absolutely superb Oasis song, my favourite track on the album. I'm now talking about Who Feels Love, right? Now, I think the uh, video has got a proper Fool's Gold vibe to it, even though Liam's wearing a shocker of a red leather jacket that probably most of these um, acolytes would go and buy a copy from Matalan, Kev, because I did see a few people bouncing about with their red leather jackets on. But mm-hmm. uh, Andy Bell makes an appearance. It's got the Stone Roses vibe, but it's also got that Indian Beatles vibe that you mentioned earlier. And I, I honestly, when I speak to Oasis fans, this song barely gets a mention. Why? Because it's shite. <laughs> I knew for the minute I started talking about that song, you didn't like it. I knew it. Uh, my face gives it away. You can't help it. No, I remember in the 1980s when you got a wee Casio keyboard for your Christmas and you you thought that you could be in the pet shop boys or something like that, right? And the wee Casio keyboard had the preset... I wanted to be an Adam and the Ants, mate. Um, did you? Mm. Two drummers. The two drummers, Adam and Ants. Two drummers, aye. White uh, stripe across my nose and all that. I, was, I, I never, ever, ever wanted to be in the pet shop boys and I don't know what that says about you in terms of your own psychological state at that, that point in your life. Wasn't, Adam wasn't and the Ants. What wasn't a introspective by the pet shop boys? What an album. An absolute fantastic album. Anyway. So you so you wanted to be in the pet shop boys? I just stand there and press a button. <laughs> it's like 
very light. I mean, my perfect my perfect world just now would be the guy who just stands behind the keyboards and and, uh, and like Sleaford mods. Oh just yeah, and just I stands there and that. goes. You need to grow a beard, though. Be Didn't the Pet Show Boys do a, tr- a track with Dusty Springfield? Yes, they covered. Hmm. I, they did. I can't even remember what it is, but... They uh, definitely did. We are disagreeing you, here. You get your Casio keyboard and it's got a wee preset and it hmm. has Indian Beatles left our Rizzlers by George Harrison. And you press that. When you press that button, you get Who Feels Love. It's just so obvious. It's harsh, and mate. Rubbish and <sighs> completely lazy. I totally disagree. I totally disagree with that. Um, I think, you know, sometimes if you press the preset, you get a gorilla song. You've seen that video with Damon Albarn? You've seen that? Yes. I... Have you? So basically, it's a preset, it's a demo. And that became a massive hit. No, I totally disagree. I think Who Feels Loves a Cracking Tune. Still love it. Was listening to it earlier, watching the video. Um, Andy Bell's debut appearance in an Oasis video. And you look at the B-sides here. Now, I do like a, an Oasis cover. I, I like a bit of Come On, Feel The Noise. I loved Heroes. I thought that was brilliant. Street mm-hmm. Fighting Man, even. And Helter Skelter is a song that I really do like. I really do. Uh, because I remember uh, reading a fantastic book called Helter Skelter that was all about Charlie Manson uh, around about the White Album and the Manson murders and all the rest of it. And, and, you know, you listen to the song and you know the relevance to that particular crime or spate of crimes. And then you hear the U2 version when, you know, they were in the the, high, uh, the, yeah. uh, the edge wearing like a, a leather waistcoat and stuff like that, you know, that we're, we're not underneath it. Um, so they weren't very cool, but they covered the Helter Skelter. This is my least f- favourite version of Helter Skelter, and it's by one of my favourite bands, Oasis. Not a fan. It's a difficult song to cover because it's been covered that many time, times, but again, I think it just lacks Liam. I think it just yep. lacks Liam. I think this uh, album, Kev, this album, one of the biggest problems about this album is it's Liam's worst Oasis album. Mm-hmm. It's Liam's worst moment in Oasis, this whole album. I mean, listen to Familiar Emillions, the live album that was recorded on this tour. It's utterly ten pale for or rubbish, man. Of absolutely like bluter Liam staggering about Wembley Stadium. Front man of a generation, folk. I know. Yeah. I know. Shouting at folk. Nah, it's no it's not good. And no making sense either. Uh, however, I've got to say, the other B-side on the single, Kev, I, can't, I still can't believe that you've written this off as uh, George Harrison Rizzler. Um, but Paul Weller I covered the song. John, John, George Harrison Rizzler. I, I left over. Aye, terrible. Uh, Paul Weller covered One Way Road on Studio 150. Have you heard his version of it? No. No, as I say, I've only, only heard One Way Seek Road. Seek Seek it out. It's a it's a tr- cracking song, and obviously the way that Weller does it, he puts a completely different twist on it. Mm-hmm. But it's a great B side, and it's a great single, <laughs> if you ask me. But you completely disagree. But it's at this point for me. You've got fucking in the bushes. You've got go let it out, and then you've got who feels love. And I think this is that's the three. That's the, th- the trio I was talking about earlier, Kev. Then I think it goes wrong. The album goes wrong at this point with track number four. Uh, put your money where your mouth is. Absolutely rotten. Terrible. 
didn't make it to the end of the song, plods oh. along. It's just garbage. Terrible song. It's got, it's got an interesting first 10, 15 settings with the wee electronic bit, kind of the who-ish don't get full, won't get fooled again mm. kind of vibe that it comes into like um, a more class plodder, a, a splodge of plasticy. Uh, Where's the quality fun. control though, Kev? Where's the quality? You know, at one point in the studio, somebody should be saying, we're racist. That is nowhere near. That's like the kind of stuff you would hear on a Thursday night, band night, in any village, in any town. Just garbage. Aye, it's, it is utter rubbish. Uh, it's like somebody, uh, I'll go back to my wee preset castle, it's like somebody says, right, Oasis, there's a wee preset, and it's came out with that. It's farted that out with the batteries running out. It's terrible. Can you remember No Oasis? Yes. And they tried. They tried that. They got a record deal for Sony. Did you? I don't know if you remember how bizarre things got back then. They got a, a three album deal, so they started writing their own songs. And what was the single that they released? They ended up on top of the pops like three times. I'd like to teach the world to sing, because obviously it sounded like Shaker Maker. And then they had B sides, Kev. They had B sides, and that was their own songs. And it was as painful listening to them as this was listening to put your money where your mouth is earlier on. I'm sorry, it was dreadful. Anyway, Oasis fans out there who disagree, please tell us why you think it's a good song. I'd love to to know, uh, other than the wee bit that Kev mentioned there, the wee won't get fooled again, but it's just, it's, it's devoid of anything, right? Have we actually agreed on something tonight then, Kev, aye? I have agreed on something. We're doing all right, one out of four. One out of mm -hmm. four, well, two out of four, ain't bad. Uh, Send in short greetings from Costa del Brum. You ever been in Birmingham, Kev? Pre-season friendly. 1-0. Mm, I can't remember. I just remember we were like... I think it was Van Hoydonk 1-0. Uh, sure the pub that we were in got bricked for the National Front. Did it? Aye. Dear me. Red Scotland, ha, time in at its best. Just turned on and there you both were with my old favourite acts on show, Screamer Celica. Brilliant poem, Kevin. Thank you. Yeah, as I said... The other night, I'm asking Alan, because I'm I'm all about the prep, Kev, you know that, if I do a gig, it's like weeks and weeks of preparation, and I'm asking him about one of the biggest albums he's ever been involved in, 1991, the release three albums creation, the release Loveless by My Bloody Valentine, Bandwagon-esque by Teenage Fan Club, and Screamadelica by Primal Scream, and when I get to that third one, I call it Screamacelica, and I'm looking out in the crowd <laughs> to see if you're there laughing at me, and you were. A wee Freudian slip there. Um, couldn't help it. But yeah, Screamer Celica is back. And we thought Oasis were back. And then I'm thinking by track four, right, it's a blip. It's just a little blip in the, the matrix. We're back. Oasis are back. Track five's going to be better, right? It's going to be much better. We're going to get back on track here. And then they give us Little James. And I don't like swearing on this show. But this song would, would drive you to it. Um, it should, as I said before, it should never have made it onto record. They, they should have just looked at Liam and said, mate, this is not even a song. This is a nursery rhyme. You can sing this to your boy at night time, but we're not going to put it on an Oasis record, right? He was with Patsy Kensett at the time. Patsy Kensett's son was little James, and the father of that boy was Jim Kerr, still is. Mm -hmm. And Liam wrote a song about the wee boy. So I love, I love the sentiment. I love that. When you're tucking your wee boy in at, at night, Kev, you sing them a wee nursery rhyme, right? I love all that. Then he put it on an Oasis record, mate. Terrible. Ter um, almost unforgivable, Kev. 
Come on. Give me your take. It's like your pubic hair getting pulled out the tweezers. Listening to this. I'll take your word for that. It is dreadful. Mm. Utterly dreadful. And it's one of those things that, like, folk have been cancelled for less. I'm going to ask you again, what was worse? What was worse, standing on the shoulders of Giants or Inverness Cali Thistle? Have you changed your mind yet, now that we've got to track five? Eh, look, it was still Cali Thistle, man. It was still Cali Thistle. Just. Uh, It's becoming just. uh, Everything's gone wrong at this point. You've got Cali Thistle, this album comes out, it's an absolute turkey. Eh. And then move on to Kenny Douglas playing six centre halves in a semi final against Kilmarnock, where we win none. Doing his press conferences for the Beards. The Beards bar. This is it was a strange upper. time, Kev. Eh? It was a strange oh, time to be us. It's like it's like the the worst it's like the worst the worst acid trip ever. Mm-hmm. Like that one you you told me about with Ian McCulloch doing it at uh, Anfield. That's only a story. None of that ever happened. <sighs> I think it did. Little James, for me. Uh, after I heard this song, Kev, I, pro- I probably did vow at the time I never want to hear another Liam Penn song ever again. And we know that some of the early tracks that Oasis uh, wrote after changing their name from The Rain uh, were co-written by Liam Gallagher and Bonehead. And I think they've maybe surfaced somewhere along the line. And I remember, you know, when Oasis were at their absolute height and used to get, like, no bootlegs, but you would get unofficial annuals at Christmas time and you would get like big poster specials and the newsagent and all that kind of stuff. I remember buying one of them and Liam was talking about some of the songs he had written. Now, this is at the height of Oasis and the titles and all this. And at that point, I think, oh, I wonder what they sounded like. And now I'm just glad I never heard them because this, I was hoping that uh, Oasis would last forever for nothing else than to ensure that Liam never, ever released a solo album. After listening to Little James, it was absolutely done. Terrible. I don't think it was ever done live. And I've given up on the album at this point. We're five songs in, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, you gave me three brilliant tracks. You disagree, you think there was one. And then two absolute shockers. You're going to have to do something special to pull this back now. No. Uh, Was Gas Panic good enough to pull you back in? I think because of the turgid nonsense before Gas Panic, Gas Panic, even today. If you hear Gas Panic itself, you're like, hey, that's all right, that, that's fine. When you hear it after, put your put your money where your mouth is in Little James, it sounds like a bloody Eurovision song runner. It sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh, after, after those... I heard those Eurovision songs. song winners fantastic, though. Oh, they've got a certain... Like style and a certain like goodness about them. What was uh, the Beatles song that the the wrote and it was meant to be for the Eurovision Song Contest and it became don't know anything um, about that. Yeah, yeah. It became a massive Beatles song. It obviously never ever made it to the Eurovision, but it was written with that in mind. And I remember Noel Gallagher getting interviewed. I don't know if it was tongue in cheek saying that he would love to write a song for Eurovision. Um, I see all around the world should have been. It. He right, wanted okay. to be all around. He, he wanted all, to be all you need around. is love. All you need is love. That was a beautiful was song, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah. Uh, making your mind up the box fizz a cracking me song. 
Right. So have you lost? I've seen them live. I've seen box. <laughs> I've seen box for his life at the ballroom in Dunfermline. And they done that thing where they pulled the glittery skirts off. Remember? Oh, but I was going to ask that man. They replaced what was her name? Cheryl something. They replaced the two females in the band with like two twenty-year-old dancers, and it was the two original guys. It was all a bit sad and sinister in the ballroom that night. Gas panic. I said last week, and I'm going to take it back. I said last week, right, that there were two songs, Kev on Be Here Now and Standing on the Shoulder of Giants um, that everybody, Oasis fans, seemed to like really like, and I didn't. And remember, we spoke about Fading Out. Uh, and the other one, I think I mentioned it last week, I mentioned Gas Panic. I listened to Gas Panic today, and I, re- I realised I was talking absolute nonsense. This is a decent song, mate. I think Gas Panic is a, a decent song. It is a, a decent song. Um, in the context of this album, it's like... A fantastic song in the context of this album, and I can maybe see how it's still fondly uh, remembered by Oasis fans at this time. Has mm. Liam done it in his Oasis Okay? Has he done Gas Panic? Oasis Okay. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe someone in the comment section will be able to clarify mm. because there is a there is a song on this LP that he has done and done it better, if you ask me, but we'll come to that. This is the moment... I, I think as well, the, the, the version of uh, Gas Panic I really like was, it's been on Sky numerous times, uh, the Barrowlands, the, the 10 Years of Noise and Confusion tour, they done Gas Panic that night, and it was utterly mesmerising, it was really, really good that night. The uh, 10 Years of Noise and Confusion, so Noise and Confusion was a lyric from, um, you know, The World of Twist, the World of Twist, whose debut album was called Quality Street, believe it or not. And uh, they covered Sons of the Stage. And um, yeah, Noise and Confusion. I think at some point, one of the early albums, Oasis albums, were going to be called Noise and Confusion because Noel was a big fan. And when you used to go into the Pretty Green shops, the the vinyl, World of Twist, Quality Street vinyl was in Mm -hmm. the shop. So there you go, another wee bit of, uh, another fun fact for you there. Um, So I'm thinking at this point, Kevin, that they're back on track with this album, with Gas Panic. I thought first three tracks were great, and then four, four and five were terrible. Gas Panic gets you back on track. And then, where did it all go wrong comes in. And I'm going to be interested because I, I never can tell if you're going to be up for a song or not because on the one hand you think Wonderwall's rotten and then you think Fade Out's good and it's difficult for me to figure you out. So where did it all go wrong? Uh, is that continuing in the vein of getting this album back on track? Do you like the song? I like the song, aye. Good. I, I really do. I, I really do like the song. It's got a kind of Paul Weller-ish vibe. It's got a, the chorus I think could be Paul Weller. Um, I again is a really really good no pain song, and when you look at the B sides and that as well, as I say, this could have been a, a great no solo album. It really could have been a great no solo album. I I, I like where did it all go? I, I like the I like this trio of songs. I like these this trio of songs, um, like save it. And if I was ever having to go back to listen to it, I would go for it, go let it out then I would skip right to Gas Panic and listen to A3 and listen to Gas Panic, Where Did It All Go Wrong and Sunday Morning Call and that would be it. Would you not even listen to Who Feels Love? No. No, definitely Okay. Um, 
the best lyric on the album is on this song, but we'll come to that at the end of the show because we talk about picking a lyric out. I don't know if you've done that yet, Kev, because I put you on the spot last week. But for me, the best lyric of the album is on this particular song. I agree with you. And I think that um, Noel did a few dates, didn't he? Um, after the world tour of Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, where it was just an acoustic no. And there was mm-hmm. all these rumours around him maybe doing the solo thing and all that. Um, and, he, and in his set was Where Did It All Go Wrong? And it sounded magnificent as an acoustic, you know, just him sitting on a stool with his acoustic guitar. Sounded brilliant, Kev, it really did. Uh, so I agree with you. Yeah, we're back on a, uh, a trio of songs. This is the second trio of the album, if you ask me. Kevin disagrees. And then the third of that was uh, Sunday Morning Call, which was, of course, released as a single. Cracking video. Don't know if you watched it back. Very good video. All three videos were brilliant, actually, for this album. I can't remember the video for Sunday Morning Call. It's based mm. on the uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You've got a guy sitting in like a, an apartment. You'll recognise him because I'm pretty sure he played Ewan McGregor on one of the, the adaptation, the theatrical adaptations of Train Spotting. I'm sure right. he did. Uh, and no Gallaghers. You know when you, you would go into a, a corner shop and they had the kind of beads? It was a curtain of beads. Aye. And it would lead you into the storeroom. I used to hear one of them actually in my shop. Aye, one of their ones, aye. And no standing behind that playing his guitar. Almost like a spectre in the background. It's a good I video, do remember right? it. No, no, you yeah. actually say, says, says that. I actually do remember it. Aye. Uh, Sunday, Sunday morning call. Brilliant song. Absolutely brilliant song. I just love the whole like sentiment of it. That's that's the, the kind of texture there. It's absolutely fantastic. It doesn't applaud, it doesn't go too fast. It's just got this sort of Maybe, maybe you ever heard James doing a cover version of Sunday Morning by The Velvet Underground? I haven't. I love that song, but I've never heard that version. This song reminds me of James, that James cover version. It's mm. got that same sort of light airiness, but the lyric is really, really dark. Eh? Mm-hmm. Um, and and aye, it's, it's, a, it's a great song. Again, it's one of them that I don't think gets the credit it deserves. No. And I don't think they've even done it live. I don't think he's knows maybe even done it in a solo tour or anything like that. Eh? Uh, I mean, Good if point. He's play, if he's going to play little by little, he should actually play Sunday Morning Call, for God's sake. Yeah, we'll get to little by little in a couple of albums' uh, times. But the, the thing, again, I said earlier, Kev, this is Liam's worst Oasis album. The two uh, tracks that you reckon are part of a trio that saves it, uh, Where Did It All Go Wrong, Sunday Morning Call, both no sung tracks. Mm-hmm. Liam's nowhere near them um, and I think that's quite interesting uh, again it was a single it was released didn't get to number one but the B-sides um, Carry Us All and Full On now you right you said that the, the B-sides were all great I'm going to disagree on Full On no, no a fan of Full On I can get like the melody line is all around the world it is all around the world. When he sings that first line in full on, it has got the same peaks and troughs and number of syllables as all around the world. But when you put full on in the context of this album, it's better than Little James. <laughs> it's better than put the money where your mouth is. Um, so that's how I would put it on the album. But I can get where you're coming from. Out of the five B-sides, it's probably the weakest one. And I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not counting Heller Skelter as, uh, as a B-side. The five B-sides, it is the weakest one, but it would definitely improve this album yeah. if Liam sung it. 
Well, I'll need to ask you what, what it's going to uh, replace and hopefully you don't say who feels love because that would be a really bad end to this particular Screamer Celica episode. Uh, Des Adery, can you name the guy on his avatar? Carol, Carol, geez. It is. And you know this, Kev, right? You think about how, you know, when you think back to how innocent your childhood was at times <laughs> with Saturday Night TV, you've got a guy with a mouser with a, with a puppet of a dog called Spit. And it was hilarious. It wasn't hilarious, but you know what I mean? That was hilarity at its finest on a Saturday evening. Des, thank you for bringing that back into the equation. Um, and had Cooler Shaker K on last night, Timeless Album. Cooler Shaker K, Kev? Let me add that. Uh, Yola, uh, do you want to cover it? I'll cover Scream that. Celica. Yeah. Um, mm. what's, what's the great song on that? Not one of the singles, Start All Over. Brilliant We Love song on that album. I wouldn't mind covering that, actually. Tatva, Govinda, all that stuff, yeah? You up for it? I'm up for that, right? Eh? But I don't know if you're saying that because you want to rip it to pieces or if you actually enjoy it. Um, I just need to find it. I'll well, need to wait and see. Yeah, Des Adri, again, whole album sounds like a come down. Yeah, totally get that. And even when you look at the kind of lyrical aspect to Where Did It All Go Wrong and Sunday Morning Call, it does sound like a come down. Um, we then go to another song which... Um, I'm going to have to put in the same category, Kev, as Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is. And the song is called I Can See a Liar. Oh. And I think it is just, you know, same old Oasis dirge. Somebody trying to sing like Oasis, but without any kind of songwriting or song playing ability. That's what it sounds like to me. Again, it's like they've went into the studio and this album needs a song that sounds like Oasis. Mm. Oh, right, we'll play this one. Mm. And it just sounds like somebody farting down a toilet tube. It's Oasis by numbers, but there's no melody, there's there's no uh, the Oasis uh, magic, there's none of the Wally sound that you used to get. They've obviously changed the producer. You don't have Bonehead on the rhythm guitar. You know, and you're listening to the album thinking it, it's lost its soul a wee bit here. Kev, there's, you know, it's no Oasis anymore. Right, final song on this album, Roll Over. I remember listening to this LP. By the way, only 10 songs on the album, shortest album Oasis had released at this point. And I remember thinking, there's potential in that song, but it's unfinished. It sounded unfinished to me, Kev, at the time. So I couldn't I couldn't fully enjoy it. So when we get to song 10, right, there's, there's two lots of three songs on this album that I like, as you know, the opening three and then the three that we both agreed on, Gas Panic, uh, would it all go wrong Sunday morning call then you get I can see a liar I think oh that's rubbish that's filler and then roll it over I'm on the fence because I think there's a song in it but they don't capture it on the album however Liam has since done it live mm -hmm. and it sounds epic he's nailed it the version that Liam done at Nedworth I think it was it would have been Nedworth it's, it's far far better than this version on the album mm -hmm. The version on that, that, that on this album sounds like Tracing Paper, Pink Floyd. It's like one of the bands that you see in a minor's welfare trying to be Pink Floyd. And there's a bit when the guitar solo comes in, eh, and no presses his guitar board, and it's got Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and there's this big epic guitar solo. As you say, it just lacks any sort of depth. It's very, very shallow. Mm. Um, would I love to hear Ron Morris do it? 
But as you say, when Liam's got a hoodie at recently, it's a song that it should have been. Yeah. Uh, it's badly, badly recorded. But again, you're probably only finding you're probably finding it's no where Alan White has basically played all the in- instruments on this on Roll It Over and it's badly produced. Uh, I can see why it ended the album. I can see why they thought it was going to be a decent end to the album, but it just falls flat, man. It really it, does. It's flat, but the potential's there, and this is the frustration. Uh, so you're looking at the 10 tracks, Kev. Uh, you've enjoyed the B-sides. Uh, I'm thinking it's an album with six strong songs in it, six really good songs in it, and one that I'm on the fence about. And as I say, it could have been two EPs. It should have been two EPs, but it wasn't. And for me, it is the worst Oasis album ever released. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, um, if you were to rank the first four, because we've covered the first four albums now, rank them from four to one. Definitely, maybe be here now, Morning Glory, and this one's bottom of the pile be a massive dif- difference. Hey, distance. Yeah. I, I, listen, it is for me as well. The only difference I would make, and if you listen to the shows, this probably came across. I've got the albums in chronological order <clears throat> in terms of how much I enjoy them. So it's definitely maybe Morning Glory, be here now, and then standing on the shoulders of Jack. So as an Oasis fan, it's getting worse for me. But the first three were, for me, I, I loved them. I loved the first three albums. Didn't enjoy this so much. I enjoyed going back to it, though, to see if the uh, revision or the retrospective would be any different. And you've got to also think about, at this time, Kev, what else was happening? Because people mentioned that during the week there. Um, Oasis weren't pushing the envelope. They weren't pushing boundaries. You've got bands like... Um, uh, Lamb Chop releasing Nixon, Granddaddy, The Software uh, Slump. You've got Radiohead with Kid A, Primal Scream mm-hmm. with Exterminator, Badly Drawn Aye. Boy, who's playing tonight in Glasgow with the Hour of Bewilder Beast, Doves, Lost Soul, Super Furry Animals, Ming. You've got people who are actually pushing boundaries here. Um, and then you've got Oasis coming away with this. So I think also if you listen to it with its contemporaries, it does not stand up well. Didn't even get into the top 50 in the NME end of year chart. You, you listen to the Primal Scheme. For me, the Primal Scheme have made two seminal albums. They've made Scream, Scream Adelica and Exterminator. And no many bands have made two albums that, that are, when you listen to them, you go, that, that was the best album of that year. And as you say, when you listen to Be Here Now, with us, uh, no Be Here Now, it's the, when you listen to Giants, with us, and alongside even Dove's Lost Souls uh, and... Exterminator. This is just a pile of nonsense. It's an album that should never have been made. He should have sat on it until he had a band. Really, he should, he should have just sat on it until he had a band and basically he should have probably chucked it at this point and went solo. Because I think Liam's losing it at this point. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I would agree with that. With hindsight, remember we were talking to McGee on Friday night. I just wanted to get that in there, just a big massive name drop before we wrap up for tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we were talking about at that point when creation decided that, well, when Alan McGee decided to wrap it up, um, they had at that point what he called like the big four. They still had the big four bands, Ed Oasis, Primal Scream, Super Furry Animals and Teenage Fan Club at that point. Um, And you look at what 
those bands were kind of doing in or around that that stage because how they came out in 2000 mm-hmm. as well kev that's an album i'm still listening to to this day i think it's a phenomenal album um but it didn't get the backing of the marketing that they would have got had creation you know still been operating if you like so they cut down all the staff so that they could release albums like howdy and exterminator and stuff like that Oasis go along, set up Big Brother Records. They don't have the infrastructure that they had at creation. So, you know, that might play a part as well, Kev. Everything's changed and they're out there on their own, if you like. And they've produced this. It's still Sony, so they've still got a bit of clout in the musical game, eh? Yeah, but who's there to say to them, no, this isn't strong enough? You know, who's there to say that? That's the problem, eh? And you know, would McGee have done it? Because he admitted he probably should have done it with Be Here Now. But I don't trust everything McGee says because he liked Magic Pie. So, <laughs> you know, you've got to take that into account as well. Right, we've already ranked what, him. What, what you've got to also think about as well, I mean, if you go, that was February, so you get to the August, the day before we beat Rangers 6-2, Martin O'Neill's arrived at Celtic Park, so everything then is on the up. Mm-hmm. So the night before Glasgow Green Festival, I know you were at Reading that year on the yeah, Sunday. So the Glasgow Green, Glasgow Green Festival on the Saturday night. On the Friday night, I think Paul Weller, Super Furry Animals. I think I saw Paul Weller, the Super Furry Animals and Beck. That was the three bands I saw on the Friday night. The Saturday night, it's, it shows you where these two bands were. Oasis were headlined and Primal Scream were signed. Yep. So you're talking about a primal scream with Manny on bass and Kevin Shields now on guitar. The the best live band I've ever seen for a five-year period but that was that version of the, the primal scream. Andrew Innes admitted that himself. He went, that version of the scream was utterly awesome. They blew Oasis off stage that night. Absolutely. They did, they did it red in as well. They did it red as well. Stage that night. Yep. I mean, what would you rather, wasn't he, like uh, Kowalski, or Who Feels Love. Little James. Well, that was a bad example, because Who Feels Love's a good song, but I I get what you mean. (laughs) Listen, right, I always remember Manny. Manny and Gillespie on stage had a great dynamic, right, because obviously they were both like off their head at that point, Kev. They were still living it like rock stars, weren't they? And um, Mm -hmm. can you remember who Uri Geller supported? Which football team Uri Geller supported? Is it Redden? Yeah. It was Redden. So I'm at the Redden Festival and Manny dedicates one of the songs, it might have been Kowalski, to Uri Geller. And you can see Gillespie going, like, (laughs) completely puzzled by this, right? And then Manny goes over and and then they start laughing on stage as the song's already kicking in. It was, I would say, probably the best festival I've ever been to, Redden, at that time. Even though, and I've said this before, um, I did miss a 6-2 game as a result of it. A couple of my mates, actually, who were uh, I sat next to at the time, uh, season tickets at, the, at that point, were at McGee as well. So these events are great for bringing people together, Kev, um, some of whom you don't otherwise see that often. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've already ranked the albums one to four, and we both agree that this is the worst so far in the, the Oasis discography. I'm going to ask you now, though, to drop two album tracks and replace them with two B-sides from that time, Kev. I've actually dropped five. <laughs> I've dropped five. Uh, my my running my track list. That means you've dropped two feels love, eh? Aye, of course. Uh, 
I've kept bushes just because okay. it's a decent intro. Go let it out. Then we make believe uh, cigarettes in hell, one way, one way road, gas panic. Where did it all go wrong? Sunday morning call, uh, carry us all, then it ends with full on. And I think, think that's, that's a, a better album. I think that's a far better album. Still, there's still dodgy areas in it. Was like full on, there's probably not a strong ending, but it's a far better ending than the the, the weak willed roll it over. Which was which did end the album. It did, and, and I asked you for two. You gave me five, Kev. That's fine. It's rules are there to break them. Um, put your money where your mouth is, and little James will be consigned in, into a bin, uh, never ever to be listened to again. And if I lived to a hundred, I, I would gladly never listen to both those songs ever again. Let's all make believe is a certainty to replace. Put your money where your mouth is, and then one way road. I think it's like a wee gem, it's a wee gemier song, and I'd put that in instead of Little James, which is just horrendous. Even as a nursery rhyme, I wouldn't sing it to my wee boy as he every, was going to bed at night. Terrible every, song. In, every instrument that played on Little James and like put your money where your mouth is, they should get put in a big wicker man and set on mm. fire and shake. Yeah. Ritualize that that these songs will never be heard again. We could have a festival like that, Kev. We could maybe arrange that and we could ask people to bring their copies of this album and we could stick that into the Wicker Man as well before we sell on fire. Right, what's the best lyric? The whole of Sunday morning call. I just love that song. Mm. I think it, I think it maybe Does it resonate up. with you? Does it resonate with you? Oh, Has I there been a point in your I, life where you're thinking the lyrics speak to you? Yeah. I definitely I every Sunday morning after a heavy Saturday night. For how long? A decade? <laughs> Two decades, maybe. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Um, I like this lyric from Where Did It All Go Wrong? Do you keep the receipts for all the friends that you buy? Because there's a few people I know um, in my life who that, that I could relate that to. Right, you've got a quid. You get three songs on the Screamacelica jukebox. Pick your three songs. Oh, Go let it out. Sunday morning call. Then I'll go let it out again. <laughs> well, I'm going to go for Who Feels Love, Kev, right? Uh, Sunday morning call and where did it all go wrong? And, you know, as you say, that sums up this album for Oasis. It was never going to be the same again after this album. Um, yeah, there were some moments between now and them chucking it, and we will cover them in future editions of Schema Selica. When Kevin and I are both available uh, on a Wednesday at 7, we'll do this show. We've had K by Cooler Shaker requested. We've had Going for Gold by Shed 7 requested. And by the way, why not request albums that aren't, you know, from the 90s? We could, I mean, that ah, musical taste I, it's, goes back we'll to the 60s. Uh, we'll have a look at the period when these albums come out. I mean, I, I'm going to be quite obvi- uh, obvious now. New on in, every Oasis B-side I hear is going to be brand new because I never well, listened to any of the B-sides. There's some, like, really, good, there's some really good remixes, mate, that you're going uh, to enjoy. So I'm actually looking forward to bringing myself up to date. Like, going, I wonder, wonder if, I mean, they five the day. Were four and full on. They were they were great surprises to me, and I was going. I was like, how did they not end up on that album? I know. I, was like, I know. 
And also, uh, this is the year that Richard Ashcroft went solo, Kev. Mm. Uh, alone with everybody, or yes. alone with everyone, was released. Mm. Decent album, we might cover it. Right, we're going to get on to what comes next then. What comes after this? Heathen Chemistry. Heathen Chemistry. Did we go back at some point and do the master plan? Did we throw that in at some stage? Or is it albums only? Because that's obviously a compilation. Oh, we need to discuss that. I, we'll I, discuss count the master, I count the master plan as an album. Right, we'll cover it then, Kev. We'll cover uh, it. I do, I do count it as an album. Right, everybody that's enjoyed this, get onto YouTube or Spotify or Amazon Prime, whatever you use, and type in Who Feels Love. Give it a wee listen. Revisit it. It's a fantastic song. Uh, thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Um, and thank you once again, Kevin, for the return of Screamer Selica. Thanks for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind. Thank you very much. Network.